to All the Books, a weekly show of recommendations and enthusiasm regarding the week's new book releases. This is episode 386, and today we are talking about books being released on November 1st, 2022, and more. I'm Liberty Hardy, here with Danica Ellis, and we're coming to you from bookriot.com. Danica, hello! Hello! Whenever I say the number, like the episode number, once we hit the hundreds, I always feel like I, I mean to look it up and see if it's an area code somewhere. You know, like, <laughs> like I got really excited when we did episode 207 because 207 is the main area code. One of the few states that only has one area code for the whole state still. You know, and it, every time I say it out loud in my brain, it's going, what area code is that? I don't know. <laughs> if I was on Jeopardy, I'd probably know. Like, I would have studied that, but I don't know. But speaking of Jeopardy, I didn't even mean to do that, but I did want to tell you the story because I absolutely love it when these things happen. And last night, my husband and I were watching Jeopardy, and the category was peaks and mountains, I think. And mm-hmm. they were looking for the area where the specific like volcano was located, and they said it was called Poca... Ugh, I'm not going to be able to say it right now. Oh, Popocatapetl. That's it. And mm-hmm. I was like, what a fun word to say. And so I kept going, Popocatapetl, Popocatapetl, Popocatapetl. It was like really fun to say last night. And I kid you not, this morning I got up and I like to read a little bit before I get out of bed. And I opened my book. And on the very next page that I turned, they mentioned Popocatapetl. Oh, and wow. I was like, what? I never... I mean... For people who know know about it, like, it's no big deal. But for me, I had never heard of it before. Yeah. So I was like, that is so cool. That's I so love weird. it when that happens. And now <laughs> yeah. I'll probably see it everywhere. And later I have to go to an appointment and my nurse will probably, you know, that'll probably be her last name. And, you know, it'll just be everywhere <laughs> all the time now. But it was just pretty exciting. I love stuff like that. I like book coincidences coincidences like that that happen in real life. And yet when I read about coincidences that happen in books, I'm like, no way. No way. <laughs> no way. <laughs> I'm a brat. So how are things with you? Good. Last week was the, the Book Riot staff retreat, and I got to meet people wow. for the first time. So that was really fun. But it was also the first time I've traveled since COVID. Well, actually, since before COVID. Like, I haven't flown since, I don't I don't remember, 2018 or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was scary. But <laughs> it was... <laughs> You know, one of the few people masking the entire time, and I seem to have escaped okay. But yeah, it was nice to actually like get to see people in person that I've been seeing on a screen for like getting close to two years now. It's wild, like when you meet people. Yeah. It was very funny because I I do feel like I know them, yeah. but like I just know their faces. I don't. <laughs> it was just we kept yeah. being like, "Oh, you're taller than I thought. Oh, you're shorter than I thought." Yeah. I feel like many years ago when, you know, obviously the internet was not as old and Twitter was like a newer thing, people would always be like, people on the internet are not your friends. Like, those aren't your Mm. real friends. And I Mm -hmm. severely disagreed. And I feel like I hear that much less often than I used to. There are fewer think pieces about how internet friends are not real friends because they are. (laughs) You know, I have like some of my closest friends that I talk to every day. I have still not met actually in person. Yeah. You know, it's so fun. I just love it. Let's see. What else? I went to Book Moon in East Hampton, Massachusetts, finally, after like two long delays. I got to go visit that bookstore, and that was fun. Um, The people working there were so nice, and they were like, can I make some recommendations? And I was like, "Mm, you can try. (laughs) You know, (laughs) I always feel bad when I go in the bookstore because 
I'm like, I've read it. I've read it. I know it. I've read it. I own it. I read it. I read it. I read it. So, so she was, she tried to play that game with me for a little while. And then she was like, who are you? <laughs> and I was like, that is so awesome. <laughs> and my friend was like, uh, she's a book professional. I was like, oh. yeah. But it, but it's also doubly like when I go in a bookstore, I find very few things that I'm like I don't know what they are and get excited about because I already know what everything is. Yeah, so, that's just my life. That's just you know my work. <laughs> yeah, it must. I can't imagine. Yeah, I don't know if you would be the hardest person to recommend books to because I guess it's you also get people who haven't read anything but also just hate every single thing you recommend. So. <laughs> it's true. I think it w- it would be better to have someone who's enthusiastic about books but has already read everything you want to recommend than the other way. Yeah. They were definitely, you know, in the right area, so it was good. <laughs> um, so we are going to talk about some books today that we have enjoyed. Uh, that loud crash was just my cat throwing himself out the window at a pigeon. And <laughs> uh, first, before we do that, we are going to hear from a sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Flatiron Books, publisher of 888 Love and the Divine Burden of Numbers by Abraham Chang. So this is an interesting love story. It's great for fans of Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow and High Fidelity. It's set in the mid-90s at NYU. And it follows young Wang, who has gotten the advice of love through Chinese numerology from his uncle. So he believes that he will have seven great loves in his life and then he meets Irena in 95 and she's like the best she's brilliant charismatic quick-witted funny they fall in love but the thing is she's number six so if he is to have seven great loves does that mean his time with Irena is going to come to an end so this is a love letter to western pop culture eastern traditions and being a first generation new yorker make sure to check it out and thanks again to flat iron books publisher of 888 love and the divine burden of numbers by abraham chang for sponsoring this episode okay I usually let my cats stay in the room because they're pretty well behaved, but a pigeon just decided it was going to flap its wings at my office window, and now Zivon is throwing himself at the window trying to get it. I don't know if you've been hearing my dogs whining in the room, because if I have them in the living room, they're just going to bark, so so we get. (laughs) I can't hear them, so that's good. Okay, good. Yeah. Uh, Animals and recording from home. (laughs) All right. Speaking of animals, my first pick today is called White Horse by Erica T. Worth. Man, I am nailing the segues today. Like, don't even mean to. (laughs) So this is a debut thriller set in Denver. The main character is named Carrie James. Carrie is a 35-year-old indigenous woman. She is a regular at a bar called The White Horse. She's quite unhappy in her life. She drinks a lot. Uh, She has a lot to be sad about. She lost her best friend to addiction when she was a teenager. She misses her mom, who ran away when she was two years old. She doesn't know what she wants to do with her life. And she's just kind of drowning her sorrows at this bar, biding her time, trying to figure things out. And then one day, her cousin Debbie visits, and she gives Carrie a bracelet that belonged to Carrie's mother. Uh, and like I said, Carrie's mother, you know, they, her family told Carrie that, you know, she ran off 
with someone else when, when Carrie was two. And nothing is known about where she is now. No one's ever heard from her or knows what happened. And Carrie's father was seriously injured in a car accident shortly around, like, or right around that time. And he doesn't really talk about what happens. He's, he's stuck at home and he's very unhappy too. So shortly after receiving the bracelet, Carrie also receives a visit from the ghost of her mother. Uh oh. And some angry supernatural creature. That's a lot to process. You know, it's a lot in one day. You get something from your, your mom, and then you see your mom's ghost, and then there's also this thing that you don't know what it is. It's a lot to take in, especially because if you think about it, right, Carrie didn't know what happened to her mother, but a visit from someone's ghost is a pretty good indication that that person is not still alive. So Carrie starts looking into what really happened to her mom, talking to people, you know, in her family and people who were around when she was young and her mom left because she needs the truth now more than ever because she needs to get rid of her mom's angry spirit and also whatever it is that that came along with her. So she tries to enlist the help of her cousin Debbie, but Debbie's husband is a controlling abuser. And so while she's trying to solve the mystery of her mother's ghost, she's also trying to help Debbie leave her husband. This is a really great thriller. Uh, it's a little, it's being billed as a horror book. Uh, it has a little horror. I mean, scary ghost things um, and some gore, but it's more, I would say, an intense family drama and mystery. Carrie is a great character. I would totally hang out with her. She's into heavy metal. That's really all it takes right there. She's a badass and she's funny. Also, at the beginning of the book, she's playing this hilarious computer game that I really hope is real or possibly could be real someday, but I'm not going to tell you what it is. You have to read it. Um, this is just an excellent debut, and I hope to read more from Worth really soon. As I mentioned, there are some very heavy subject matters in this book, so I do want to give content warnings for chemical use and abuse, loss of a loved one, violence, murder, death, and gore, trauma and grief, partner abuse, and sexual assault of children and adults. This is White Horse by Erica T. Worth. That one looks so good. I think we were both kind of like circling the same titles this month. I don't know why that, <laughs> why that happens sometimes, but I am definitely going to read it. But my first pick is The Band Bookshop of Maggie Banks by Shauna Robinson. Maggie Banks is adrift. She did well in school, but after graduating college, she's had trouble keeping a job for long. It feels like everyone else has a passion, a vision for their future, but she doesn't know what she wants to do with her life, except that she would like to stop having to move back in with her parents when her latest plan falls apart. The last job that she enjoyed had nothing to do with her actual work. She liked arranging the office parties and the team building activities, but budget cuts led to her losing that position and she hasn't been able to find a new one for almost a year. Luckily, her best friend has an answer, at least temporarily. Rochelle is the together friend, the one who has always known what she wanted to do. She has been a book lover her whole life, and while being a librarian didn't work out, she is now running a bookstore in the small town of Bell River, a bookstore that her father owned before her. She's about to go on maternity leave, though, and so she offers Maggie the chance to cover for her for a few months. This should give her some time to make a plan for what happens after. Despite having no interest in books or reading, Maggie jumps at that opportunity. When she arrives at Bell River, though, she finds out that the whole town is basically a tourist trap devoted to the author Edward Bell. 
He wrote a classic novel in the 60s, and most of the businesses in town are devoted to him. There's a museum, a themed cafe, a B&B named after him, and more. They're all owned or co-owned by his grandson, Ralph Bell, including the bookstore. Ralph has a particular vision for the town and these businesses, which means that the bookstore is mostly a shrine to Bell's writing desk, and they can only carry books that were published during Bell's lifetime, so nothing after the 1960s. Maggie soon realizes that this is a mind-numbingly boring job, and as someone who has worked in bookstores for many years before this, this bookstore does sound like it would be awful to work at. Tourists come in with the same questions about Bell over and over, and they buy the same Bell books. Almost no locals shop the bookstore because there are never any new titles. So really, this bookstore is surviving just off selling this one author's books over and over again with the occasional Pride and Prejudice thrown in there. Worse, Maggie is being monitored to make sure that her talking points about Belle are Ralph-approved. Malcolm, one of Ralph's employees, checks in randomly to make sure that everything is running smoothly. He doesn't appreciate Maggie's jokes or anything that calls Belle's reputation into question. In fact, Ralph soon decides that Maggie can't be trusted with Belle's legacy, and he removes the writing desk and Belle's books from the, the bookstore, relocating them to the museum. Maggie is left with a store full of books that no one in town wants to buy and no tourist attraction. But Rochelle just had a baby and the bookstore was already not making a lot of money. Maggie can't stand the idea of telling her that she's lost their only source of income. And that's when she starts to get creative. After making friends with some of the locals, she starts secretly ordering in new titles they're interested in, selling them from a box under the counter. Trying to sell books while keeping the existence of those books a secret is a challenge, though, and it's not nearly enough to make up for the loss of tourist revenue, which is when Maggie gets the idea to start holding a secret book club. Every event, an author performs a scene they've written that puts a genre twist on a classic book, like Moby Dick as a Romance. These events quickly grow in popularity and the money is coming in, but the more success she has, the more risk there is of someone letting it slip and Ralph Bell shutting down Rochelle's bookstore entirely. Meanwhile, Maggie has managed to win over straight-laced Malcolm, and after a drunken night at a book bar, they agree to a two-person book club. They assign each other books to read, and then Maggie switches to assigning him activities to do to get him out of his comfort zone, like taking a soap-making class or seeing a movie in the park. So sparks are flying, but Maggie is still holding this big secret back from him because she knows that he would report her to Belle if he knew what she was doing. And it's only a matter of time before this whole house of cards that she's building collapses. This was such a fun read. Obviously, it's hard to beat a book set in a bookstore, and we get to see Maggie fall in love with reading after she's introduced to different genres. In the author's note, Robinson says that the events that Maggie runs were inspired by a real bookstore event series called Shipwreck, which was a literary erotic fan fiction parody event in Booksmith in San Francisco. So that's amazing. It's not running anymore, but I would have loved to attend that. 
This has a romance element, but it's not the focus of the story. Did I think she had more chemistry with the women in her life? Yes, they had great banter. But I'm biased, and I was also impressed that Malcolm went along with the event she assigned him, because I definitely would not have. Those were uh, definitely putting yourself out there as an introvert. This was such a fun premise and setting and so readable. I was completely sucked in. I highly recommend it for book lovers looking for a light, entertaining read. And that's The Band Bookshop of Maggie Banks by Shauna Robinson. All right. So I'm once again using my next pick as a chance to highlight a bunch of books because it is my favorite time of year when the best American collections come out. Uh, these used to be put out by Houghton Mifflin Harcourt uh, through Mariner, and I was concerned when Houghton closed that this wouldn't continue, but Mariner has now moved over to HarperCollins. And so we have a plethora of best American collections out today. I did read the Best American Essays of 2022, which is guest edited by my favorite, Alexander Chi, and is series edited by Robert Atwan. And each book has a guest editor and then a series editor. Um, and they pick around 20-ish pieces for these collections. Um, it's like a talent sampler. You get all kinds of different authors and different things. Um, in this essay collection, there are great pieces by so many incredible authors, including Melissa Fibos, Caitlin Greenidge, Naomi Jackson, Gary Stengart, Justin Torres, Alex Marzano-Lesnovich, and Alyssa Washuda. They're just so great. And I always, whenever I read the essay collection, I'm like, I need to read more nonfiction. I need to read more nonfiction. Of course, then that thought leaves my brain like all of my other thoughts, but it was so good. But there are so many others out today. There is the Best American Mystery and Suspense, uh, which is guest edited by Jess Walter and Steph Cha, who I love, 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 is the series editor now. She has been for the last few years, which is awesome. The Best American Science and Nature Writing of 2022, guest edited by Ayana Elizabeth Johnson. The series is edited by Jamie Green, who has a book coming out, I think, next. I think it's next. I can't remember. April, here we go. Uh, the Possibility of Life, Science, Imagination, and Our Quest for Kinship in the Cosmos, which sounds fantastic. And I can't wait to read that as well. I'm just going to shout that out right now, too. Best American Short Stories of 2022, uh, guest edited by Andrew Sean Greer, Pulitzer Prize winning author of Less, and now Less is Lost. Uh, and this is edited by Heidi Pitlor, who has done it for, oh my goodness, I don't know how long now, but it's amazing. And then The Best American Science Fiction and Fantasy of 2022, guest edited by Rebecca Roanhorse, uh, and series edited by John Joseph Adams. And The Best American Food Writing of 2022 by Sola L. Whaley, and a series edited by Sylvia Killingsworth. Um, which, I'm not going to lie, as someone who is a terrible food person when it comes to knowing about food or even just eating different things. And that is always the one that I read last. But then I always find all these amazing things that I like to know about. So um, they're always educational. So these are the best American collections. And they are out today. I think they used to do what was what was the one that I used to love? It was like, I think it was non required reading. They did that that one for a couple of years and that had some pretty wild stuff in it and that was my favorite one so of course they only did it for a couple of years and they stopped um and they used to do the best american comics too i don't know if they still did that one without looking off the top of my head but 
Just so many different things, different authors, talent showcases. It's so great. So, yeah. I'm going to stop talking about it now. Down it go. <laughs> that sounds like the perfect way to just add so many books to your TBR. It's yes. just to get to sample from a ton of different authors. It's always a good time. All right. My next book, the one, the next one that I've actually read is DPS Only by Valinxi. When I was requesting review copies for today's episode, I was so excited to see that two of the new releases I've been anticipating are out today. They're both sapphic holiday books. I'll be talking about them later. But what I didn't consider, because time, is that I would be reading them in October, which is my Halloween reading time. And I I don't like to mix seasons in my seasonal reading. So I had to pivot and I will be honest, I initially picked this up because it's a graphic novel. I thought it would be a quick read. I didn't realize it was over 400 pages, so it wasn't like a one sitting read, at least not for me. But luckily for me, it also had a lot more depth than I was expecting because of that, and I ended up really enjoying it. This was originally a Tapas webcomic, and it follows Vicky, who is a teenage girl who is one of the top 100 EXO video game players, but no one in her life knows it. She lives with her brother, Virgil, who is a charismatic professional EXO player. That's the name of the video game. He assumes that she has no interest in gaming and kind of cluelessly bulldozes over her whenever she tries to talk to him about it or about almost anything. I have to mention here that I have no knowledge of esports, so I can't weigh in on the accuracy of how it's portrayed. Vicky has been playing for years using a voice mod and an androgynous username because she faced so much sexism when she first started as a kid. And she can also see how the other women are treated in esports and in video games in general, especially on social media. So that's another reason that she sticks to being anonymous and not playing professionally. Online, playing with strangers, she's a decisive leader, but in real life, she is quiet and constantly in her brother's shadow. When the owner of the gaming cafe she plays at discovers her secret identity, she expects to be blackmailed, but instead, he asks her to join his esports team. Soon, she finds herself competing professionally after all, while hiding behind a screen name and a mask. But as people start to speculate about this promising new player's real identity, there's only so long she's going to be able to keep it a secret from her brother. I expected the conflict in this story to be mostly around sexism and gaming, and that's definitely a part of it, but I really appreciated the nuance in the relationships that are introduced here. Virgil and Vicky have a really interesting dynamic that makes more sense as you get to know more about their past, but I also really liked how this story deals with the complexity and importance of friendships, especially if you are young and isolated. Ultimately, this is a coming-of-age story about how Vicky begins to find her voice and push back against the role that she has been pushed into. I think this is a great read, even if you aren't into video games, but I also liked the glimpses that we got into XO. When they are playing, we get to see the game itself and not just the characters playing it. 
I do want to give some minor content warnings. One is that this does involve a friendship between a guy in his mid-20s and two teenage girls. It is just a friendship. They talk about having a sibling dynamic, but other characters accuse them of it being inappropriate because of the age difference. Again, absolutely nothing inappropriate happens, but I thought it was worth mentioning. And other minor warnings are that there are mentions of kidnapping and two scenes where Vicky is asked out by older men, including when she was younger, but those are in passing. And that, again, is DPS Only by Valenxi. Okay, so those are some books that we have read and enjoyed, and now we are going to talk about a few books that we are excited to read. I am going to start it with my pick, which now has just won the 2022 Booker Prize, which is very exciting. It is The Seven Moons of Mali Alameda by Shihan Kiran Uchilaka. It, like I said, just won the Booker Prize. So cool. Um, has an amazing cover, which they decided to keep for the U.S. release, which I'm very happy about. This is set in 1980 during the Sri Lankan Civil War. The main character, Mali Alameda, is a war photographer who wakes up one day to discover that he's dead, which is a terrible way to wake up. Uh, he has no idea who killed him, and he knows, like, he knows he's dead. He, he can see his body. He, uh, like, he knows where he, he's dead. Um, but any number of people could have killed him, you know, looking to settle a score, or, you know, there's a lot of violence going on in the country right now. I don't know how he knows this, but he only has seven moons to get a message across to two people that he loves. And it says in the description that he's surrounded by other ghosts, so maybe they tell him. Maybe he goes to, like, a Beetlejuice office kind of place. I don't know. But he has he knows that he has seven moons to get across to these people. Uh, he wants to point them in the direction of explosive photos that he took that will shake the country to its foundation. It just sounds so cool and strange, and I'm so here for it. It is The Seven Moons of Mali Alameda by Shihan Karen Utilaka. Okay, so I'm going to cheat and talk about the two sapphic holiday romance books that are out today in, in one because I could not choose between them. The first is Kiss Her Once for Me by Alison Cochran. This is the author of The Charm Offensive, which is a really popular MM romance. In this novel, we're following Ellie, who is feeling a little lost. She's single. She just lost her dream job in animation, and now she's working at a coffee shop to make ends meet. The shop's landlord makes a weird proposal. She should marry him so he can claim his inheritance, because as we all know, this is how inheritances work in romance novels. you got to marry someone. Even weirder is that Ellie agrees to go along with this. She's feeling like she doesn't have a whole lot of options, and why not? But when she meets his family over the holidays, she is shocked to find out that she already knows his sister, Jack. In fact, Jack and Ellie shared a magical meet-cute in a bookstore last Christmas. Ellie fell hard and fast, but that dream was shattered in the morning, and not long after, she lost her job. 
So now Ellie is in an isolated cabin with the girl of her dreams and her brother, who she's trying to convince everyone that she is marrying. This sounds like the cutest rom-com premise, and I'm so excited to read it that I just couldn't read it in October. I gotta read it when I am in the Christmas spirit. I'm picturing, you know, mug of hot chocolate, snow falling outside, basically just the cover. I want to recreate the cover, even though it doesn't really snow here. I'm also told this has a Butch Baker love interest, which is very spoony. So that is the first sapphic holiday romance novel out today, Kisser Once for Me by Alison Cochran. And the next is a YA romance, which is How to Excavate a Heart by Jake Maya Arlo. This one promises to be like a Hallmark movie, but one that stars Jewish lesbians. And I have to point out that this is not the only sapphic Christmas-related romance with Jewish main characters that is out this year, which is amazing. The other one is Season of Love by Helena Greer, which came out last month, and that's an FF romance about a Jewish woman inheriting a Christmas tree farm. So put that on your list, too. And for this one... It starts with Shawnee running May over with a car or almost. It's not the most promising of romantic meetings, but that's what happened. Shawnee is a little distracted. She's supposed to be concentrating on her internship over the winter break, but it is hard to focus on dead fish. That's what her internship is about when you just got dumped. It's probably still not a good reason to almost run someone over. And that's why this is a little bit of an enemies to lovers story, because obviously that is not starting off on the best foot. But despite that, May and Shawnee keep having their paths cross until they end up snowed in together on Christmas Eve. They have a lot of chemistry, but Shawnee isn't sure if she can shake off her breakup that quickly. This is a YA novel written for a teen audience, but the main characters are college freshmen. There's also a corgi who is wearing booties. Now that is a good choice for a cover image. I actually just read a YA fantasy book. It was called The Drowned Woods just because it was queer and had a corgi in it. So that's a definite selling point for me. More corgis in fiction. Despite this being a YA romance, it also seems to be one that has a lot of discussion of trauma, so I think this will be less lighthearted than Kisser Once for me, but it has a corgi wearing booties, so I think that balances that out. I do want to give a content warning for sexual assault, and that is How to Excavate a Heart by Jake Maya Arlo, and those are both of the sapphic holiday romance books out today. So I love Kisser Once for me. Uh, oh, yeah? I read it because I love the charm offensive. So I just picked it up mm-hmm. and I read it. I didn't read the description. And I was having such a good time reading this book that when, you know, her fiance's sister shows up and it's the woman that she was in love with. It, I was like, oh, my goodness, I'm so surprised. <laughs> <laughs> like, if you read the it's description, so it's, it tells you right there. But I didn't. So <laughs> I was just like going along. I'm like, this is great. And then I was like, oh, no. <laughs> yeah. It was really fun. I like it when that happens. Yeah. Yeah. I'm always in favor of not reading descriptions of books, like, within reason, you know. Yeah. It's hard (laughs) to pull off, but it's so fun when you can do it. It was very rewarding. And now we are going to hear from another sponsor. So, those are... Oh, wait. No, I have one more. I'm I'm skipping ahead now. I'm all all thrown off. We've had computer issues, call issues, cat issues, dog issues. Yeah. 
your dog was barking and I was telling you it was okay and I was going to mark the time down and I forgot to unmute my microphone so you heard, you heard none of that. Like, it's it's been an exciting recording so far. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to move on to Case Study by Graham McRae Burnett. I talked about his book, His Bloody Project. I'm pretty sure on the show it was, like, 2016. It was a finalist for the Man Booker Prize. Uh, and... Someone had told me it was real because it's like this account of a murderer telling his lawyer what happened and using all these documents. And someone told me it was real. So I read this book thinking, wow, this is wild. And then found out, no, um, it was not real, but it was excellent. And since it was, since his, uh, his bloody project was a finalist for the man Booker Prize, they have dropped the man, but case study is, uh, was on the Booker long list this year. Uh, it is about a woman in London in the 1960s. She believes a psychotherapist is responsible for her sister's death. So she assumes a fake identity and becomes a patient so she can get closer to the doctor. But she finds the doctor to be very charming and soon wonders what in her life is actually real and what is imagined. The only thing she knows is that the danger is real. So that sounds pretty intense, and I'm looking forward to reading it. And they also kept the cover of this one for the U.S. release, which I was excited about because UK covers are so amazing. And this one is Case Study by Graham McRae Burnett. All right. My last book I'm going to talk about is Small Game by Blair Braverman. I've recently really gotten into survival reality TV shows like Alone. So this premise immediately jumped out at me. It is about a TV show called Civilization that puts five strangers in the woods together and not only asks them to survive with no resources, but in theory to build a new civilization. If they can make it out there for six weeks, they get the prize money. Mara has been preparing for this her whole life. She came from a family of preppers, and now she runs a survival school. It's hard enough to make fire and get enough food and water for the group, not to mention the added difficulty of actually having to get along with all of them. And that is made substantially worse when they wake up one morning to find that the camera crew has left. And some of her teammates have survival experience. Others are just there for the fame and money. They bring nothing practical to the table. So this is pretty serious if... It's no longer a game. They're not sure if this is part of the show. And now they don't know how long they have to survive out here if they're actually going to be rescued at any point at all. Not only am I fascinated by reality TV shows, I also always appreciate a trapped in an elevator or a snowed in style forced proximity story. You're left with just the characters' relationships with each other. And that's the element in a story I'm most interested in. It removes all the layers of politeness and just exposes characters' raw emotions and their dynamics with each other. So if you're a fan of survival TV too, this looks like a great thriller to pick up. If you don't want to read about the minutia of catching fish or starting a fire, though, this might not be the best choice, according to some of the reviews. And I think, Liberty, you've actually read this one? I loved it. (laughs) I did. I'm very curious. I haven't read the reviews online, but I'm very curious to hear what people think of the ending, because I loved the ending, and I wasn't sure that 
everyone was going to go for it. But And weirdly, yeah. I read this right before I read Patricia Wants to Cuddle by Samantha Allen, mm-hmm. which is another mm-hmm. reality show where things go horribly wrong novel. <laughs> so, yeah. No, I loved this one. Blair Braverman had a really great memoir. Um, oh. What is it called? Welcome to the Goddamn Ice Cube, I think it's called. Oh. Uh, a few years ago. And uh, this is her first novel, I think. So I thought it was awesome. Yeah, all the reviews mentioned the ending. I, I really ended up being like, I should I just read the ending of this book? Like, I want to know what I It won't make any sense if you just read the ending. <laughs> yeah, but that's true. I thought it was great. So I definitely approve of this this recommendation. And that's Small Game by Blair Braverman. And those are the books. All right. <laughs> So those are books that we are excited about and books that we have read. I, I think I read more of Danica's than, than mine. And now we are going to hear about some of today's paperback releases. This is the most unusual November yet. I, I know I mention this every year, but it keeps happening every year. There are more releases out in November this year than there ever have been. And when I was going through the catalogs, I was like, show me November. And it was like 17,000 titles. I was like, oh, my goodness. So today there are tons of great books and tons of great books becoming paperbacks. They're like little little caterpillars that are turning into butterflies. Um, I'm going to start it off with The Fortune Men by Nadifa Mohammed. I talked about this on the show when it came out in hardcover. This is set in Wales in 1952 and is based on the true story of a Somali sailor who was arrested and wrongly convicted of the killing of a shopkeeper. A River Enchanted by Rebecca Ross This is Ross's first adult fantasy. It's set on an isle where two childhood enemies must team up as adults to solve the disappearance of several young girls. The Appeal by Janice Hallett. This was a huge book last year and got tons of great reviews and stars and all that stuff. I have not read it yet, but it is a murder mystery surrounding a local theater troupe. I always love a theater troupe. I love that when they do like the episodes involving theater troops on like murder shows and stuff. I just love those. Zori by Laird Hunt. This was a 2021 NBA finalist. It's about a young girl in Depression era rural Indiana. The Perishing by Natasha Dion. This is about an immortal black woman who wakes up with amnesia in 1930s Los Angeles. Thank you, Mr. Nixon. Stories by Gish Jen. Jen is the award-winning author of The Resisters. These stories are set around the 50 years since the opening of China and how that has affected the characters in these stories. More stories. Five Tuesdays in Winter by Lily King. King is the author of Father of the Rain, which, oh my goodness, I love so much. I cried so hard at that book. Uh, Writers and Lovers, Euphoria, a bunch of other great things. Um, These are... A collection of, like, it's a story collection. I don't need to tell you what that is. (laughs) Also in a collection out today in paperback are These Precious Days Essays by Anne Patchett. Anne Patchett, bookstore owner, author of Bel Canto, The Dutch House, State of Wonder. Another amazing essay collection called This is the Story of a Happy Marriage. New essays. These also got all the reviews and stars and all the great stuff last year. Paris Dalencourt is about to crumble the second book in the Winner Bakes All series by Alexis Hall, who could possibly be the most prolific author working today. Alexis Hall has a million books out all the time. The first book was Rosaline Palmer Takes the Cake, which took place on a baking competition show. This one is also set on a baking competition show about an insecure and shy 
person named Paris, who is secretly entered into the baking competition show by his roommate and becomes a contestant and there falls in love, but also has to deal with uh, insecurity when seeing what the internet writes about him. Ugh. Sounds like a nightmare. It's a nightmare book. Um, but I'm going to read it because I love Alexis Hall. Bewilderment by Richard Powers about an astrobiologist who searches for life elsewhere in the universe while raising his nine-year-old son alone after his wife's sudden death. The Rumor Game by Doniel Clayton and Sona Cherapatra. They are the authors of Tiny Pretty Things, that duology that became a Netflix series. And this one is a YA novel about an elite prep school where rumors make or break students. Another YA, Vespertine by Margaret Rogerson. Rogerson is the author of Sorcery of Thorns and An Enchantment of Ravens. And in this, the main character is a gray sister, who is, which means she is a nun whose job it is to cleanse the souls of the recently departed. And paperback originals today, a couple that I'm really excited about. My Pinup by Hilton Alls, which is, he is a Pulitzer Prize winning author. This is a memoir slash essay about Prince, the queer nightclub scene, the AIDS crisis, love and loss. And When Franny Stands Up by Eden Robbins, which is a debut novel about Franny Steinberg, a young Jewish woman in Chicago during World War II who accidentally becomes a stand-up comedian. It's being called The Marvelous Miss Maisel, Mrs. Maisel meets League of Their Own. It does have some LGBTQ tags, but I don't see any references to why that is in the description, but I just thought I would mention that anyway. And yeah, so those are books we are excited to read, books out in paperback. Danica, what are you going to read next? Well, while we're recording this, there are still a few more days until Halloween, so I'm trying to fit one more Halloween read in, and I'm thinking it's going to be The X-Hex by Aaron Sterling, which looks like a really cute witchy rom-com. And this Aaron Sterling is Rachel Hawkins is Mm -hmm. the, I don't know, I don't know which one's her real name, but... I think Rachel Hawkins is her real name. Yeah, yeah. And I've really liked her YA, so I am optimistic about her romance one. What are you reading next? Well, I am trying to get in as many scary books as I can before Halloween, but then I always read them after and all year round too, so I don't know why. But <laughs> I'm going to read The Between by Tanana Reeve Dew, which uh, was reissued in paperback last year. I believe it was her first novel. It's a horror novel. But then I'm also going to pick up The Things We Do to Our Friends by Heather Darwent, which is a debut thriller. Sounds like a dark academia novel. A listener reached out to me on Instagram last night and said, I read this book and you have to read it. It's so you. Mm -hmm. I was like, challenge accepted. Yeah. You know, like I have a copy around here somewhere. So, Um, or actually I know right where it is. I spent the whole day yesterday rearranging my library downstairs and... I actually can find things again now. It doesn't look any different <laughs> than when I started, except that it's just neater. Like, you wouldn't know that I removed hundreds of books from my house. But oh, wow. at least they're all alphabetized again. So now I can find things because it was becoming a problem where, like, last week I was talking on the show about how I wanted to restrike the zither and they sent me a copy and then I couldn't find it. And, and that never happens <laughs> to me. So it was time to time to fix things. <laughs> So that is it for today. Thank you to our sponsors. Thank you to our awesome audio editor, Jen Zink. You can drop us a line at all the books at bookriot.com. We hang out on the internet sometimes. Danica hangs out on Twitter at lesbrary, L-E-S-B-R-A-R-Y. I mostly hang out on Instagram at friends and comes alive. 
If you go to Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever it is you get your podcasts and leave a rating or review, it helps other book lovers to find us and we will love you forever. Thank you so much to everyone who has done so. And as much as we would love to tell you about more books today, we just don't have the time, but you can read about more titles out now in the show notes at bookriot.com slash all the books, as well as find a link to our weekly new books newsletter. And for more recs or general bookishness, check out bookriot.com. And don't forget to check out our full stable of podcasts at bookriot.com slash listen, or just search Book Riot on your podcast player of choice. And in the meantime, happy, happy reading. reading.